Welcome to Issues Now, Conversations About Equity. I'm your host, Hannah Gray, and we are so glad you have joined us to talk about equity. On today's episode, we will be wrapping up our series entitled From History to Healing with a conversation with several educators in Cumberland County Schools on how to address issues of social justice and diversity in the classroom. We will hear from various perspectives, including a beginning elementary school teacher, all the way to a district curriculum specialist and everything in between. I hope you enjoy this conversation about equity. Good afternoon, listeners. This is Hannah Gray, your host of Issues Now, Conversations About Equity. And this is our final episode in the series called From History to Healing. I have been joined um, for this series by what I have started to call my teachers of the year. (laughs) We've had Nicole Rivers, who is the Cumberland County Schools Teacher of the Year, and Chris Lucas, who was the runner-up for the Cumberland County Schools Teacher of the Year, and Maureen Stover, who is now the, what is is the word, Maureen, previous? Because now somebody else is. Well, so I'm technically still the Teacher of the Year until the 30th of June. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. That school year appointment. But, um, but yeah, so, but in like Nicole will always be the Sandhills region teacher of the year. So you're, it's, it's a present tense. You're still, you get to be the teacher of the year forever and ever, but I'm the 2020 teacher. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you don't ever say previous. Thank you for, for schooling me on that. I appreciate it. No worries. No worries. Well, I actually (laughs) say, I said like the former and then I was schooled myself and told that no, 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 everyone's still the teacher of the year in the present tense. You just give the year. So, you know, what year they were teacher of the year. Gotcha. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) we have my Teachers of the Year back, so I'm very excited. And then today we are joined by several of our friends and colleagues who are all um, educators here in Cumberland County Schools. So I'm just going to ask each person, including my Teachers of the Year, to introduce themselves. Tell us just your name, what you teach, uh, you know, if it's elementary um, or if it's secondary, what subject you teach. and just kind of why this topic of how do we have these conversations about race and social injustice and diversity? How do we have these conversations in the class? Why is that important to you? Hey, everyone. It's Nicole Rivers again. Um, I teach English 3. Uh, so that's in high, high school level, of course, at Grace Creek High School. And I'm just really excited to deal with this particular topic. We have a very uh, blended, a very mixed demographic where I um, where I work, and it's always exciting to hear different perspectives and understand student backgrounds and expand on their thinking and broaden that so they become more informed uh, citizens and they can articulate their points of view and be good listeners. Hi, and I'm Maureen Stover. Um, I'm the 2020 Burroughs Welcome Fund North Carolina Teacher of the Year. And before that, I was a high school science teacher at Cumberland International Early College High School, which is one of our early colleges on the FSU campus. Um, I really got excited to be involved in this work because growing up as a white female in America, my parents always taught me to value other people and to try to understand other people's perspectives, but I was never in a classroom where that was actually happening. And so as a teacher, I think it's really important to help our kids develop those skills so that they're able to talk to other people, they're able to appreciate other people, they're able to look at things from somebody else's viewpoint 
and to be able to understand multiple perspectives and to embrace cultures. And so to be on the, the end of fixing that and to be part of the solution as we look at ways to actually implement that in classrooms has truly been an honor. Hey everybody, uh, this is uh, Chris Lucas. Uh, I am the Cape Fear uh, High School uh, Teacher of the Year and Cape Fear Attendance Area Teacher of the Year and CTS runner-up to Nicole. Um, and I, I teach social studies. Uh, specifically, I teach AP Human Geography, AP European History, and American History One. Uh, and I was really excited to uh, work on this project with Nicole uh, and Maureen and our, our experts to really try and figure out a way to, um, to figure out a way to have these difficult conversations in the classroom in a, in a way where we can grow and learn from one another and we can understand uh, from one another. Because I think that a lot of students, uh, and, and not just their students, but the parents, grandparents, and so on, generation, generation, um, they have trouble looking at other cultures and people with experience with uh, empathy, and they're so quick to uh, cast judgment or bring in their two cents rather than just listen and learn. Uh, so that, that's really what you know, my goal is, and obviously being in the social studies classroom, I do see um, you know, the, these conversations and, um, and how hard it is for so many, so many kids. Uh, so I'm just uh, excited about this project and, and hopefully we can all learn from it. Thank you. Hello everyone. My name is Latoya King. I currently serve as an instructional coach at Lewis Chapel Middle School. Um, this is year 21 for me in education. Um, and prior to being an instructional coach, I was an English, or I am an English teacher, forever an English teacher. Um, and this is important to me because education is liberation wherever you are. And in order for any of us to get free, we have to be concerned about the, our brother or our sister being free as well. So um, I'm a mother of two little ones. And so I'm looking to make the world a better place for them to grow in. So this is very important to me. Hello, I'm Janelle Pallon. I teach sixth grade social studies at Ireland Drive Middle School. And I just, and also I teach the equity focused classroom management to our teachers, our newer teachers in Cumberland County. And I just think it's really important to have students and teachers feel really comfortable having these difficult conversations and it just be a part of class and not just, and not to have like the tension that is is going on because what's going on in the world we should be able to have a conversation without backlash hi i'm uh, joel mayo i uh, teach english too at grace creek high school at nicole rivers um i'm also the uh director alongside nicole rivers of poetic pathos youth slam uh which is our city's like only youth slam team um as well as um advisor of the school's gay straight alliance so um it's very important topics to me um social diversity um, everything just you know, all I do with education. So I think like it just fits perfect and it's definitely um, something I'm very passionate about. I'm Jacob Gordner. I teach second grade at Miss Gray's school. I think she even hired me. Um, teach at Cliffdale Elementary. This is my first year teaching. What a year it's been. What a way for a lateral entry teacher to be introduced to the life 
of a professional teacher. Um, the reason this topic interests me so much is one, I do see teaching as a profession. So I think we have an obligation to do the best by our students as possible. And that means being up to date and informed on issues of race and injustice. And living in Fayetteville, you especially need to be well-versed in these topics because they will find you. We live in a very diverse community and I love that, but we're not in Vermont, Maine, North Dakota, Canada. We are in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So we have a bigger responsibility to get ahead on these issues and get these kids comfortable talking about these topics. Um, and I think that'll just result in a, a friendlier, safer place to live. Hi, I'm Sarah Teal. I am one of the secondary English language arts curriculum specialists for Cumberland County Schools. So I have the privilege of supporting English teachers grades six through 12. I um, have been an English teacher for 19 years, um, 15, 17 years, um, teaching high school and middle school English, and um, then as an instructional coach and now um, curriculum specialist. This topic is, is important to me a lot. Um, I identify with Maureen's response. I was raised in a home that was very passionate about social justice, um, but also in the context of a rural white community, um, you know, here in the outskirts of Fayetteville. And so um, I was taught a lot and then also very much immersed in that narrative. And so um, still learning a lot. I'm just glad to be here um, to continue um, learning from you guys. Um, my goal is just to continue to support our teachers in providing a diverse curriculum that students um, are able to see themselves, all students are able to see themselves in that English language arts curriculum in Cumberland County Schools. And then also to support our, our teachers in their development um, in, you know, in being anti-racist educators and that hard work, but also the skills to be able to lead those um, tough conversations. And that is a daunting task that sometimes keeps me up at night, um, but I love the opportunity to get to be a part of this conversation and, and continue that learning for myself. Sarah, your answer led beautifully into um, the first thing that I want to hear from you guys is if, if there's a teacher listening, um, and I hope that there are, that listening and they're like, okay, I've been hearing about this kind of thing. How how do I even where do I even start? How do I even prepare to start having conversations in my classroom or weaving in social justice resources into my curriculum? What what kind of preparation do teachers need to to do? Anybody? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. Um, really. Teachers need to start by um, getting to know their own students and their backgrounds and their experiences um, and, and really get to know uh, what, what certain topics are, might be sensitive to others and just how to navigate that. You can't have difficult conversations without knowing your students. That's why it's really not something that you want to jump into right away, obviously. You have to get to know them and uh, their experiences. And 
uh, after that, uh, really from that point on, uh, teachers kind of really have to figure out a way to format their questions that they're going to ask and make sure that those questions are not leading, that they actually allow for students' voice to be heard, uh, and make sure that students understand that the conversation that they're about to have in the classroom uh, needs to be done in a scholarly fashion where they are respecting the opinions of one another, and they are there to listen and, the, and uh, stress the importance of listening and learning from one another. Uh, and so really, I, I think honestly, before uh, having that conversation and even really formatting questions and really after getting to know your students, I guess is the, the second step would really be uh, training students on how to have conversations with one another. That can't be skipped. I mean, and, and that really became apparent in that la the last episode we recorded uh, with the experts uh, with uh, psychology uh, and juvenile uh, criminal justice where you really need to be sensitive to these kids and their experiences. So uh, starting to, uh, from there, it's obviously, a, uh, in my opinion, uh, a good place to, to start from. And if I may add to that, because that was so good, it really was. If you are uncomfortable, start with your coworkers. <laughs> and when I say that, if you are not having these conversations with other adults, it's very hard to navigate them with children. So if you lack experience, period, you're just like, this is not my thing. I, I usually talk to like-minded people and we just kind of circulate the same opinion and the same information. Then you need to start talking to pe the diverse people you have access to adults in your building. And maybe you need to ask them the questions or show them the questions you want to ask your students and say, hey, um, I'm going to address this. And this is not, you know, my background. It's not my population. I don't have any experience. How do these questions sound? Do they come off wrong? Is my approach good? Because, you know, I've had teachers in our building say, hey, I think I want to teach this book to, to this grade level. I'm a like, mm, little young, little controversial for that group. You may need to hold that for an older group. And it is good to speak to your colleagues a diverse set of colleagues to get some advice if you are still unsure about what you need to do. Yeah, everything Chris and Nicole said, absolutely. Um, the other thing too, I think, is that it's really important that teachers are prepared to feel uncomfortable in those conversations. And, you know, as teachers, a lot of times we feel like we need to have all the answers and we need to be able to uh, handle every single situation that arises in our classrooms. And when you're having some of these really difficult conversations, there will be moments where you are really uncomfortable um, and you need to understand that that's going to be part of the conversation and how important it is that you let that uncomfortableness happen. I agree with um, what everyone was saying, but I think that that uncomfortable piece is a part that we have to address because there's courage in having these uncomfortable conversations. So allowing the students to see that it's courageous to have these conversations, um, because if we continue to avoid them, um, I know for me, I think about the things that we're not supposed to talk about in the classroom, politics, race. So if we don't talk about these things, nothing changes with these things. So we have to be courageous and kind of go against the grain sometimes and bring these things up. But as Nicole said, we need to start um, with our colleagues, start in our homes, start with our within our community and our professional organizations, have those conversations there. And in the building when we're having them, this is where for me in middle school, I thought about PLCs. 
when she said you need to have them with your colleagues, this is where we can kind of bounce out bounce ideas off of one another and um, kind of broach those issues and say, uh, you might want to re-examine that, or you might want to word this word it this way, or consider these students when you're when you're addressing this particular issue. Thank you um, so much for those amazing thoughts. I, I think if I could sum it up um, is first, you have to know your kids and they have to have a trusting relationship with you um, and they have to feel like they're in a safe space. Right. Um, and then you have to be willing to like Latoya was just saying and Maureen was alluding to. We have to we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable Um and like LaToya said, that takes a lot of courage. Um, and another piece that has played into that, especially this year, that um, specifically I have talked to Janelle about this and Chris about this, is that because we were in this virtual learning environment, um, parents had much more access to the things that we say in the classroom. And um, so... My next question is, what role do parents and or parents' opinions play in your preparation? So knowing knowing your students also comes with like knowing your parents and building that classroom community with them as well. And so what I made sure that I did is I always, when I was having those uncomfortable conversations, I always brought in a source that was as unbiased as possible. And it wasn't me necessarily. So like I was uh, CNN 10, like I had the conversation on January, about January 6th. And so I played the CNN newscast about it. And then I just opened the floor to my students. And I said, what do you think about this? And we talked about some of the vocabulary words that came out of that situation. And I was waiting for parents to have something to say, but I wasn't, I wasn't offensive. Like I didn't upset them. And then one thing I do feel like is important as well. I made sure I had a standard that went with that conversation. So just in case they did say something, I would go, I would go back to my standard and say, well, this falls in with standard. Da, 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 da. And so there was not much they could say. I saw Sarah's face smile when you said, I have a, I had a standard. We're going to get to that in a minute. And I really right. want to hear from you, Sarah, when we talk about that. Um, Cause I think that's something that is, is super important. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say that, well, Janelle took what I was going to say. I'm going to be one of those students and just say it, but uh, no, I mean, that, that was well said. Like, first of all, you got to make sure it's related to a standard and like, there's a reason for you to, to be uh, really uh, using class time to have these those conversations while the conversations are important um you know from the teaching perspective and and just for uh you know the county and everything you have to have it somehow related to the curriculum and then enrich their uh their uh you know understanding of the curriculum uh so that's a really important uh uh part to you know just remember but yeah, I mean, I actually have had uh, some issues with parents, um, you know, with teaching um, American One, both in American One and AP Human Geography, because we deal with a lot of ethnic conflicts and human geography and exploration of other cultures um, and uh, racial conflicts within the United States. And so I have had parents, um, you know, reach out to me 
with concerns about the content or things that they might not agree with, or maybe they won't reach out to me directly. However, I hear it relayed through uh, another source or something. So, right. I mean, exactly what Janelle said. Whenever you're going to have these difficult conversations, you have to make sure that you are including any type of credible source and make sure you have train the students to recognize also a credible source and how to kind of recognize bias as well. Uh, It's kind of like you are training a student to be a scholar, to be an historian, to be a journalist, to to be, uh, you know, a thinker for themselves so that you can have them, you know, question and allow them to question a lot of the sources themselves. And, And so they can see what is credible evidence and what's not. And whenever I allow, uh, the students to kind of question themselves and, you know, prove it or not prove it, it usually takes care of, of any issue like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, but the biggest things that I guess to sum up just, you know, basically what Janelle already said, uh, just, uh, yeah, you know, curriculum based, uh, credible sources. Uh, and I guess the only thing I'll really add in is just, just make sure you train the students, your own and make sure the parents know that your goal is to get them to think and to get them to voice their opinion and to get them to really back up whatever they're saying with actual evidence. Because obviously the most dangerous opinions out there that are floating around are claims that are backed up by yet another claim that have no actual evidence behind it. And then you have to teach the kids what is actual evidence and what's not. So. Absolutely. And so while we're here, we'll just go ahead and have this conversation. Um, I think from what has already been said, we all agree that the North Carolina Standard Course of Study for us should play a role in this preparation. Um, how much leeway is there away from that for you as an educator when things like January 6th happen or what's happening right now with the death of two more or one more, um, you know, black man at the hands of police? Like, how much can you steer away from the curriculum to have these conversations? When can you have conversations that maybe aren't based on the curriculum? I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on those as well. Well, when it comes to the standard course of study, I'll speak first since that's my jam uh, for ELA. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say it's not just that these conversations are that we relate them to a standard, but for ELA, they're really at the heart of our standards. We're tasked to teach students how to read and to keep text at the center of that and to build knowledge. And our standards are, you know, like all, you know, academic standards are what students need to know and be able to do. And what we're tasked with teaching them how to do is to read critically. And in order to read critically, you are reading for connections and relationships and you're reading um, to analyze different perspectives to get to an author's purpose and meaning and message in a text. And if we've got a curriculum that's diverse, that we're suggesting texts that are diverse and teachers are making um, good choices within that, then they are gonna have those conversations and we're gonna be leading not and not in the sense of a subjective way, but it's going to lead to analyzing arguments and students constructing their own to show the evidence of mastering those standards. Um, so it's at the heart of that. And you know, 
students, I believe, when, when you are, are reading that complex text and that text reflects diverse voices and you're building that background knowledge that's, you know, from those historical texts, they're going to then bring in, um, they're going to bring they're going to bring it in for us, <laughs> you know, that, that current event aspect too. And it just, it comes back to being brave enough, like, you know, we, you guys are talking about and skilled enough, and poised enough and calm enough, um, you know, to handle that. And, and, and that's, you know, a, a huge area of learning, but absolutely analyzing different perspectives is literally one of the ELA uh, standards that our students are tested on even. So um, it's really the heart of what we of what we do and and that we're that we're helping students learn how to have conversations. We have speaking and listening standards. Um, you know we have writing standards where they're constructing those arguments about what they're passionate about. And, um, you know, we hope that we are providing in our curriculum that that range of perspective, um, you know, so that that range of perspective is reflected and that conversation is set up. So for us, it's um, it's just right there at the heart of things. That doesn't mean that it doesn't become really tricky um, when you're when you are discussing these, you know, these connections to current events. But, um, you know, your students' experiences, like you guys have said, are at the center, and you're you're wanting to elevate their voices to discuss, and you're facilitating that. And um, you know, ultimately, we've we've got to make sure that we are bringing all those voices voices to the center that haven't been in the center of that conversation. And and when we're doing that, um, you know, then we're able to lead the way, you know, and 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 then equip students with the skills to have the conversation. Wow. Mrs. Teal, you just said, I think one of my most, uh, just one of the best words possible, um, perspective, you know, and, and I think that's what a lot of my colleagues and I in the social studies department, uh, talk about how it's so important to bring in multiple perspectives in the classroom and social studies, uh, because instead of treating things necessarily as, uh, as you're saying, okay, here's the fact, fact, fact. Well, obviously there's, there are facts, but you need to bring in perspectives. And that's what the students need to understand that for so long, uh, per perspectives of, of oppressed groups in the United States, uh, uh, you know, just marginalized groups have not been included. And the, the, the studies for uh, ELA, for social studies, um, and, and as well as in certain aspects, obviously, the other content areas. So, um, you know, perspectives, diversity of perspectives is absolutely crucial. And, you know, and honestly, you know, if you look at the curriculum from at least middle school and, and high school on for social studies, uh, there is a way to tie in events for almost every single year. Uh, you just have to look at it. Okay. Is it like for, specifically for January 6th? Is it going to be based off of the government perspective of, of you know, uh, an election, the importance of that, uh, the importance of uh, trusted media, uh, the importance of, you know, credible media, and the, the, the reason why the Founding Fathers even have the uh, portion of the First Amendment that call for the media and how that is really one of the, um, the foundations of our, of our 
uh, Democratic Republic that keeps uh, a watch on corruption in the government. So, um, you know, there's a way you just have to kind of look at, you know, to use that word again, what perspective are you going to use to bring in those conversations? And all of that is so important. And Hannah, you were um, saying, you know, about, you know, the standards are there. They are the center. They are, you know, for English, though, they don't point us to a specific text. So that's the fun thing about English. So in English, we get to have a ton of fun. And I know just really quickly from an English perspective, a lot of people are like anti-canon. I am not. I'm not anti-canon. I'm I'm about re-examining the canon. Because the canon has has framed our way of thinking, and I want us to go back and look at it, look at it to understand that. And then it's like you guys were saying earlier, easy to pair it with something current and to see if that that frame of thinking lines up. The odd thing is when you read about, you know, when you read revolutionary works or things that came from transcendentalism and talk about you know, protest and and peaceful protest and all of that, and you line it up with what's going on today, it's like, bam, total relevance. Okay, here it is. This is, these were the ideals. And here is what it looks like when they are expressed in modern time. And what are the conflicts and the complexities of that? And having students explore that, because ideals sound great on paper, but when they're enacted, they can be very complex, they can be violent, they can be controversial, they can be all these things. And they actually were in the time that they were enacted back then as well. People don't change that much. And so I think that the standards are great in in helping us as English teachers and even history teachers talk about what's relevant to the kids uh, in their world today. So I, I love them because it makes talking about the past good and the present good and the hope and hopeful for the future as well. Yeah, that's such great perspective, Nicole. Um, you know, and as the science teacher in the room. A lot of times the current events that are happening around our country and around the world don't necessarily fit into my curriculum area, but I still think there's ways that you can work that in and still make some standards aligned and standards based. And, you know, one of the things that I always look at when I look at the standards is I consider that the minimum that I'm expected to teach my kids. And there's, there's, for me, there's an expectation in my classroom. And I know for many teachers, they share the same expectation of themselves that you will extend beyond that bare minimum and you will find ways to incorporate different things into your classroom so that your kids are not just learning the standard, you're extending that curriculum to really give your kids the opportunity to experience more in your classroom. Um, And, you know, when we were on last week with uh, Mr. Price, he made a really cool statement that I loved that he was talking about, you know, we don't want to teach kids how to think. We want to teach that. We don't want to teach them what to think. We want to teach them how to think, right? And as educators, that's ultimately my job. So as a science teacher, my job is to teach science. But as an educator, my job is to teach my kids how to think, how to read, how to write, how to have discussions, how to communicate. And I think being able to put those different conversations into my curriculum enables me to do that. And, you know, like, so science, maybe science doesn't quite filter into talking about the things that happened on January 6th. But I can have a conversation of why do you think females are underrepresented or African-Americans and Hispanics are underrepresented when we're looking at um, careers in STEM? Why do you think something else is happening? Why do you think? And by having those questions and, and making it a classroom where my students are able to engage in those conversations, 
Um, I can still relate them back to science. I can still tie them into my science curriculum, but it gives me an opportunity to also bring in the multiple viewpoints and multiple perspectives as I'm having those conversations with my kids. Another uh, point I want to bring in, Nicole, thank you. For, uh, not Nicole, Maureen, thank you for, for chiming in because I was sitting here thinking like, okay, this is real easy for English teachers and it's real easy for social studies teachers, even for elementary school teachers because you you teach both those subjects, right? But like, what about secondary math and science people? What do they do? So thank you for chiming in, Maureen. Um, it's a question I've often wondered, but another a common thing that I keep hearing with this convert with this topic is what you just um, alluded to Maureen was that we are supposed to teach kids how to think. And Sarah, you said that as well. Um, as an elementary school person, another thing that we do, and I'm sure y'all do it at the secondary level it, as well. I know you do because I was a middle school assistant principal is we also teach kids how to respond to their thinking. Um, so we haven't even broached this conversation, um, but a big push in schools right now, it's a big push at my school is, you know, the social and emotional learning. And, and when you do carve out a piece, a part of your day to have conversations about social, social well-being and emotional well-being, um, I think that that's a perfect opportunity for kids to be able to express how they're feeling about a certain topic or um, where you can ask those probing but non-biased questions about like what you were saying, Maureen, why do you think there's not very many women scientists? Why do you think there's not very many black, you know, African-American, Hispanic people of color scientists? So um, I just wanted to throw that in there as kind of a, another, I think, easy way to, to, to find time in your day to, to have those conversations. And I don't know how often y'all have homeroom anymore. Um, at the secondary level, I don't think very often in the high school, but in middle school, I think you still have it most days. Um, you know, there's, there's also that, that, that time with that group of kids that you have an extra special connection to because, because you have a little bit of extra time with them, with them every day. Um, I, I want to, first of all, just say, I think that most of you on this call are probably way better at this than me. Janelle probably knows this the best as she's known me the longest. I'm very impressed with how people are able to keep their own emotions and personal beliefs out of these conversations. Um, so if there are people like me who get like super passionate about these things, um, what tips do you have for teachers to kind of like curb their own emotion and their own personal beliefs from allowing that to infiltrate the classroom? Well, just uh, <laughs> building. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, or just building off of what you guys are saying, which is, I mean, one of my favorite phrases, I'm so glad that brought up is, you know, teaching kids how to think, just uh, trust that the students will come to uh, you know, a, a good, you know, the right conclusion, you know, that is the, the right conclusion for them and trust that they will listen um, and, and learn, you know, because that's the whole process, right? You're teaching them how to have this conversation, not trying to necessarily win them over on, on, on your side, even though, you know, everyone has that, uh, that bias and, and that it's hard. It's very hard, but kind of just remind yourself um, and cause I, I have to as well, you know, cause 
And I, like you, I am very passionate about a lot of these, uh, a lot of these topics. And, you know, I, we have them in the, the conversation in the classroom, but I, I have to remind myself. And I think this is one of the most effective things that if I just continuously teach the kids that, okay, look, you know, you have the claim here, which is great. But now find the proof, find the evidence, uh, find the multiple perspectives, uh, because you can't truly have a claim on something that is controversial without including multiple perspectives, uh, because then you don't understand the full scope of that controversy. So just trust that the kids, as, as they explore these different resources and they explore these perspectives, they will come to a conclusion that at least will be backed by hopefully scholarly work and, 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 and evidence. And, you know, eventually they'll come to the right conclusion and hopefully at least we are creating and which is our job, um, you know, free thinking citizens that are doing what's best for our community and our, um, our nation and our globe. So. I was going to share that um, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but bring that passion in. I think whether we realize it or not, we're bringing our passions um, into our classroom. We're passionate about our content and that's what we're hoping that our passion will be relayed to our students and that they'll get excited about it. It doesn't mean that you have to tell them what to think, but you can give them breadcrumbs so that they'll go on the trail to find out they'll start thinking themselves and to form their own opinions. And they'll come back and they'll ask you about things and you'll have those courageous conversations that we mentioned earlier. I think um, what Maureen was saying earlier about being an educator, our responsibility is so big, um, so phenomenal that we have to teach the students, not just as an English teacher, because I'm also going to do a shameless English teacher plug and say, you know, um, English teachers are the heart of the school because we, with literature and perspectives, we get to talk about everything. I, I, I know my standards backwards and forwards, so I can make almost anything into an English lesson. But as an educator, my passions come through when I'm teaching students, not only just to read the word, but to read the world and then to go out and make the change. So that's what we all are tasked to do, regardless of what our content is. I'll piggyback on Latoya for just a second to circle back to Hannah to say, I completely identify with you, Hannah, because I mean, my voice is shaky starting this podcast because I'm about to cry just because like, of the gravity of the conversation, like how thankful I am that, you know, to be a part of it. I mean, it's just so on your, you know, so heavy on your, on my heart, um, which I think is, you know, part of what you're saying. And so I love to hear Latoya's perspective to say, to bring it. And I, I agree. My first reaction is to say, to not be afraid of that. Um, because that, you know, when we're in that fear space is where the, you know, where our biases grow <laughs> um, anyway. So if we're afraid of bringing that in, then that's not, we're not coming in with that, um, that calm and that poise about it um, to be able to frame the questions because our power is in the questions we ask. And so we don't, you know, we, we don't have, it's not that we don't have to be concerned about our responses, but we're concerned about framing the right questions, like we're talking about for teaching our students how to think. 
Um, but I think bringing that, you know, we're moved. We're moved by something. That's not something to hide. That's that's bravery. And maybe to be less concerned about, um, you know, about that coming coming into play. Um, but to, you know, to to think about how we calmly channel that into asking the right questions. I, I feel like we can give ourselves a little more grace. Again, this is my first year, but a lot of our content has been around race and justices, um, how historically certain groups have had the edge over others, um, usually through hateful laws, um, things that aren't true, beliefs that they hold that simply aren't true about other groups, um, such as Separate is Never Equal, uh, multiple Martin Luther King Jr. books, um, Ruby Bridges, even back to the Buffalo are back and how the pioneers treated the, treated the Native Americans. Um, so even a second grade, there's a ton of opportunity to talk about these things. And it's okay. I was, I've never been nervous through all these. Um, I have one white boy in my class. Uh, everyone else is black or Hispanic, and I love it. This is my jam. Um, but I've never been nervous about who's going to say something because we're all on the same side. We're, on, we're justice seekers. So we're all on the side of justice so we can explore and have these conversations because it's safe because we're on the same team. So we're allowed to talk about these things. And kids naturally get it because they love fairness. They love the rules. That's why they like Disney movies so much. That's why um, they like sports so much is because when someone doesn't follow the rules or something doesn't happen in a movie that's supposed to happen, right? Because of formulas, they, they disengage, they pout, they, they whine. They say, there's been an injustice. This is not fair. Seven-year-olds know when something's not fair. So they're fully equipped to handle this material, um, especially as we introduce things like primary and secondary source. We covered that in social studies so that Again, like others were saying, we can have claims and evidence to back that up. Um, also, we did compare and contrast most of the year. Most of the year has been compare and contrast. I don't even have to make a slide anymore that says, compare this to last week's text. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is the same. This is different because we've drilled that. And so they get that two authors can come, can tell the same story and come to different conclusions. But we're all on the side of justice, so it's okay. Little idiosyncrasies, it's okay. Anyway, back to you. Thank you, Jacob. Do you all see why I asked my amazing beginning teacher to come on? Um, good job, Jacob. Thank you. Joel, you got anything to say about it? Uh, I was just going to say, like, I'm, I'm right there with the toy and Sarah. Like, I 100% agree as far as... Um, you know, don't be afraid to let your passion kind of seek through. I think it's important for us to kind of model that for our students, like show them like, you know, I'm a human being who's extremely passionate and um, angry or upset about what's going on. And it's okay for you to as well. Now let's learn how to digest this, process this, discuss this in a healthy, civil manner, because, you know, that's our job as, as educators you know, to do that. So let's have this conversation. Yeah, it might upset some parents. That'd be my job to handle it or my principals, sorry. Um, but 
otherwise, I, I think it's important for us. Like, you know, my students see that I'm extremely passionate about this. They know that I'm human. They know that I am um, practicing this ratchetemics as we've been talking about it um, before. <laughs> and I think it's it's totally okay. I love I love that that's been kind of the consensus is that just don't <laughs> just just don't try to hide it. It's OK. Um, I love that that that's been the consensus. So, Latoya, I'm going to thank you for being the first one to say that and be brave and courageous so that the rest of us could, could feel that that we didn't feel like we had to to come up with a tip that it's OK. You don't have to have a tip. Just be just be yourself. Can I, can I be that uncool one and add a tip? Okay, so, and I do get it. I get it, okay. But for those who are cautious in nature, like me, and this is about nature and about being yourself in the classroom. I don't believe in, you know, uh, mass-produced teachers that all behave the same way to get a certain result. You can be who you are. And so some people, you know, and I see Mayo, I know it. We have the conversations like, are you in trouble, Mayo? Yeah, I think I am. You know, well, you know, we just... I love my English department because we just have this variety. Me, I'm somewhere in the middle. And so sometimes I won't share what I feel until the end because I I don't want to taint the pool. I don't want to taint the conversation. I don't want any student saying anything that they think is going to please me or not saying something because they think it's going to displease me because I've already stated a very strong opinion. And so it just depends on the atmosphere that you set in your class. Like Mr. Mayo, and I know him because I've been in his classroom, he has this open free flow of information between him and his students. He, he establishes that early. So him sharing his experience is not going to stunt the rest of the conversation for his classroom. So it just depends. For me, the way I come off sometimes, especially like as the expert at the end, sometimes not as conversational, I save mine to the end. Uh, because I want them to get all of theirs out of the way before I say something, because sometimes they won't have, you know, it'll stunt the conversation. So you got to know yourself as an educator. You got to know who you are and be comfortable in your own way. So don't go out there trying to be like someone else if that's not your natural bent. Kids pick up on that and woo, okay, we don't want to do that. So make sure that you flow within your your spear and it's okay if you're not a Hannah Gray or a Joe Mayo or Latoya King if you're like a cautious rivers we got you there's room for us all at the table thank and you sometimes, oh go ahead Janelle oh sorry sometimes you don't have time to prepare like sometimes things just happen organically conversations just spark up um yesterday this actually happened to me yesterday um one of my little Caucasian boys said that Black people came from Africa and it was an uproar. Like people were angry. I'm like, but, but they did. Like, why, why are you upset? And then he was like, but he can't say that. That's like him saying the N word, but, but it's not. What, what are you talking about? And so, and this is how like I was with the kids. I was like, but wait. And he was like, well, then I'm saying he's come from Europe. Well, you can say that. That's fine. Like what, why are we having, what is going on here? So we just had to like step back and okay, you go to your corner, you go to your corner. Y'all are clearly upset right now. I don't really know why you're upset because we're just stating facts, but we need to reevaluate this whole conversation and come back to it later. So we just had to calm down yesterday. Thank you for sharing that, Janelle, because um, I think that's important is that remembering because we've talked a lot about like how our emotion gets into it. But remembering that, like, especially the students, like their emotion gets into it as well. And we have to be 
we have to have a plan. We have to be prepared for how we're going to handle that. Um, if you know you're going to talk about something that, that could go controversial, you, you, you got to have a plan for how you're going to handle that. Um, if students, you know, especially the older they get, um, the because not all of us teach seven-year-olds who love fairness. Um, <laughs> um, can I add, you said something. I've, I've blown it up, y'all. I just blew up the whole class by mistake. And it, it was a rookie era and trying to jump into these controversial conversations. And I just thought we could have them. You know, they're 11th graders. They can, they know about these things. They can have, no, they couldn't. No, they couldn't. I was like, oh, wait, no, don't calm down. That's it. It's over. I, they were, I was done for the rest of the school year. I learned though, y'all, I found some conversational question stems. We practice on something that was not threatening. Android, Samsung's versus iPhones. We're going to practice how to do this and disagree and agree. And you better not interrupt or you're going to lose points. We practice. Before we jumped, I learned, y'all, because I, I blew up the class one time or two, and I learned a lesson from that, and I stopped the conversations for that whole semester. I was like, no. I said, y'all, and I went to my colleagues. I need help. This went way wrong, okay? And so I went and I found those higher level thinking, higher level conversation uh, converse, uh, questions, uh, well, conversation stems, and we practiced. And I went over them. And then I gave them something that was, t- but they got passionate about iPhones because they love their iPhones. But it was a great experiment to see when your emotions start rising and you want to jump in and take over the point and you want to do all of this and you want to shut somebody down right then, up, oh, taking your point right now don't do it that's those are against them do it with something that's not harmful first practice 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 because later on it can it could benefit your class later don't do what I did okay thank you that's all I want to say thank you Nicole I love that that's we learn from our mistakes we go we go through um when Mayo was on the podcast in the fall he told me about when he learned through his mistakes so we we all do um so Jacob, know that you're going to make mistakes. All these people on this screen, they've been educators for what you heard, you know, 15, 20 years. And um, they're all still educators and they've all made mistakes. <laughs> well, and, and Jacob, if I could just add to, we don't call them mistakes. We call them opportunities for solution. There's no such thing as a mistake. There's only a chance to do something better the next time. But um, I, I also think it's it's so important that we like really think about what Nicole and Janelle brought up because, you know, that to me is why it is so important that we start training our kids to be able to have those difficult conversations. And, and like Jacob said, when they're little, like they need to start learning how to do that and how to have a disagreement with somebody and understand that while maybe your opinions differ, that's okay. And as long as you're not infringing on each other's rights, it is okay to disagree with somebody, but how do I disagree with somebody and still respect their opinion, understanding that it's not my opinion, but walk away from the conversation feeling like we're still friends or that we, we still respect each other. Um, and I think that that's something that's missing right now, like at a, in society, that we really struggle to have those conversations and disagree with somebody and then walk away from the conversation with different opinions, but still realize that the other person's opinion is equally valid as mine based on what they believe and what their experiences are our opinions may not be the same, but as long as I'm not, they're not infringing on my rights and I'm not infringing on their rights, it is okay to have a different opinion than someone. Um, Like I do not like olives. That is okay. I'm sure there's many people on this call that do like olives. 
Um, and so we would disagree on all is tasting good, right? And we, that would not cause us to have a blow up in controversy. So Nicole's suggestion that you start with something where kids would have differing viewpoints, where they would learn how to build those skills to have that conversation and to talk about things that they don't agree on, on something that's not going to be uh, something that blows up your classroom. I think that's really important because that gives our kids the ability that when they do reach those really difficult conversations and they are un- they're talking about something that they're really passionate about, it gives them the skills to be able to navigate that conversation in a way that it does not turn into an argument where you do have to separate the kids to the corners of the room. Um, and so I, I really appreciated hearing everybody's viewpoints on that, but I, I just wanted to, to kind of throw that in there too, because I, I really think that this will be one of the huge opportunities that we have moving forward in public education is the opportunity to truly teach people how to have those conversations in a way that we are able to respectfully disagree with each other and be able to encompass other people's ideas. But that also then starts leading to those conversations where you do get the multiple viewpoints and the multiple perspectives. And that's so important because that gives kids the opportunity to learn from other people by hearing their experiences and hearing what's important to them. And many times when you hear those, that's what starts helping you understand that maybe your viewpoint, while it's it's still justified in your mind, maybe, maybe there's other ways to look at that. And maybe there's a different perspective. And, you know, I know as an adult, many of the things that I thought as a child have changed. I have changed my perspective on a lot of different things. And that's from talking to people and listening to people and learning to understand and having a conversation with someone who I didn't agree with and, but learning from them. And then eventually I was like, wow, you know, I never thought about it from that viewpoint or from that perspective. And I, I, you know, let me, let me talk to you about that some more. And I think that that's a really important, a really important task that we have as public educators. Well, I, um, I just first want to, again, thank all of you for, for being here. I think that one of the things that I've learned today is that um, these conversations can happen at every level. Um, we can have conversations with, with, with our babies in the elementary school and up to those critical conversations that, you know, Nicole and Chris, you guys are having with your AP students at the high school, right? Um, and everywhere in between. And so I want to thank you all for, for giving up some, some time on your, uh, what we call here in Cumberland County Schools Wellness Wednesday um, to, to speak with me. Um, does anybody have any final thoughts before we, before we wrap up? Um, I just want to thank, you guys are amazing, each and every one of you. Your voice is so powerful. I want to keep encouraging you to use it in your classrooms and in your buildings, in your neighborhoods, the grocery store, wherever you can um, do that because your perspective is unique and, and the world needs to hear that. So I appreciate this conversation, especially with Hannah and Mayo, Latoya and those who were like, yes, yeah, say it. Yes, we need to say it. You know, we need to have these conversations. We have to be okay with being uncomfortable. And you guys have the background. You have everything that these kids need uh, to, to bring them into, you know, themselves. They're still trying to figure out who they are and they're limited even in who they can become if they don't understand people around them. They don't even understand their options. And so you guys are just a powerful voice. You're a light. 
Um, you're the salt of the earth. You're all these wonderful things. Y'all, we have the same job as Jesus. He was a teacher. That lets you know. I just need y'all to know that I'm not saying we're Jesus, but we had the same job. Okay. So I want you to understand that and take it seriously and continue to like spread that love, spread that knowledge um, and, and shine that light. You guys, thanks so much for being here. Wow. That truly was an amazing conversation. After the recording, Janelle texted me and said, you sure put the educational Avengers together for that one. That was awesome. And I couldn't agree more. Listeners, I want you to know that this was recorded during the week of the killing of Dante Wright and Adam Toledo. It was a difficult week for me as the wife of a black man. And so I ended this conversation with what Nicole said purposefully. I think that her words are so important, not just to those that were physically present for that conversation, but to you all as well, the listeners. We have to keep fighting for our world and for our students. I want to say a big thank you to Nicole Rivers, the 2020 Cumberland County Schools and Sandhills Regional Teacher of the Year, Chris Lucas, the Kate Fear District Teacher of the Year and Cumberland County Schools runner-up, and of course, Maureen Stover, the 2020 Wells Fargo North Carolina Teacher of the Year, for partnering with me for this amazing series. I hope you will join us again in two weeks for another conversation about equity. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Issues Now. We'll see you next time for more conversations about equity.